Hey friends, welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be your host for this weekly podcast, bringing biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and put into practice. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Well, it is our prayer that these minutes that we spend together can help your heart connect more intimately with Jesus this Christmas season. We pray that His presence will become more and more real to you as you get to know Him as Emmanuel, God with us. Today, we're going to reflect on the mystery and wonder of what it means that God is not only with us, He is in us. Here's Dave. Let's get our Bibles in hand, shall we? And open them up to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Well, here we are, a little over two weeks until the big day. Are you ready for it? It's coming on so hard and so fast. Uh, How are you doing? Are you filled with joy to the world? Uh, Are you overwhelmed with goodwill toward men these days? Are you basking in the warmth of peace on earth in your home? Maybe you are. Maybe this is just a great season. I've often said, if that's the horse God has given you, ride that baby (laughs) and enjoy it. But maybe you would have to admit, you know, not quite so much. Maybe for some of you, the expectations and the preparations have put a little cloud over your celebration. And at times you find yourself a little scroogish and want to utter a bah humbug to the whole thing. Or it could be that you find yourself in a a difficult season financially, and it seems like every one of the advertisements that show wonderful gifts given to children that cause them to smile, all you can think about is, am I going to have enough to bring a little smile to mine? Then there's the emotional pain that is all too common this time of the year. The sound of a happy couple reminds you that you're alone. The sight of an intact family reminds you that yours isn't. Now, the others look forward to loved ones coming home for Christmas dinner. You know that perhaps for the first time this year, there will be an empty chair at the table and someone won't be there because they passed away in the last 12 months. This can be a tough time of the year. So if you find yourself looking more forward to December 26th than December 25th, I have a word for you. And that word is Emmanuel. God really is with us. And he'll be with us, not only the 25th, but every day beyond. God is with us. Last week, we began unpacking that simple phrase. And I said that we would continue over this month. God is with us. And I gave a little assignment. I said, if in fact, God showed himself 2,000 years ago to normal people in normal circumstances, I think we could do well to assume that he'll show up in us. Because we're all too normal. And our lives are all too normal. And I said, what if, I give you this little assignment. What if you walked through your week a little slower? What if your eyes were a bit wider, looking for God's fingerprints in your day-to-day activities? What if your ears were a little bit more tuned to his whispers? 
that he might say through a song, through a scripture, through a friend, what if you dared to practice the presence of Christ as if God really was with you? Did any of you do that last week? Just kind of did your week a bit differently? Yeah, yeah. If you didn't, give it a shot. If you did, keep it up. Many of us, I don't think, understand the beauty that God wants to show us because he is with us. He is with us. Well, today, I'm going to take that a bit further. I want to talk to you about the idea that God not only is with us, but that he can be in us. And we're going to use our model, again, of a 14-year-old girl named Mary, and her story is recorded in Luke chapter 1. You follow along, please, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How, can, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is with, said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you've said. And then the angel left her. And so it was for the first and only time, a virgin became pregnant. Amazing. Some of you uh, who have given birth and know what it's like to have a child inside your womb, ladies, can you imagine if it was the Son of God inside of you? Can you imagine thinking, ooh, I think God just poked me. I think I just felt a a heel against my ribcage. I just think, can you imagine him growing inside of you? Can you imagine him growing to the point to where he came out of you to the world? This is what happened to Mary. But I believe there is a parallel here that we would all do well to understand. That is, that God wants to deposit his supernatural presence in every person here. Male or female, young or old, you can know Emmanuel in you. And it lends itself to the first of three points you might want to make note of, and it's this. Emmanuel can live in you if you'll open up to him. Emmanuel can live in you if you will open up to him. You see, while Mary was indeed unique in that she literally experienced the presence of Emmanuel, in many ways she serves as a prototype for everyone who's followed. The offer of God, I will come into your life if you will open up to it. I will. Jesus himself spoke those words in the last book of the Bible. In Revelation Chapter 3, verse 20. It's an interesting situation here. Jesus is speaking to a church in the Turkish town of Laodicea. 
He's speaking to them about his desire to once more have a place of intimacy in the church's assembly. And there's some great practical application here. That church had marginalized the power and the presence of Christ. And Jesus said this to that church on the side screen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Have you ever heard this verse before? I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Now again, that had an immediate application to that church. But I think we could do well to understand that this goes broader than that. I think this speaks of how God can come into the life of any person, any man, any woman, any boy, any girl, if he or she would open up. Famous painting that came out of this verse, perhaps some of you have seen. Ever see this before? There's something the artist intentionally did in this painting. If you look carefully, you will see Jesus knocking at the door, seeking entrance. But you'll notice there is no doorknob on the outside of the door. The artist painted it this way intentionally. His point is this. Though Christ will knock at the door of any person's life, though he will persistently try to get your attention, though he will seek to come in and give you the kind of life you always dreamed for, he will not push his way in. Only you can open that door. You can't open the door for your kids. You can't open the door for your parents. Wives, you can't open the door for your husband. Each person has to decide if they will open the door and allow Christ to have entrance. As with Mary, so with us. Note her words again in verse 38. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. What's she saying in effect? I'm open. What if she would have said no? You ever thought about that? Why might she have said no? Well, in verse 34, she was already confused. I'm, I'm a virgin. This can't happen to me. What's she saying? I don't understand it all. She also could have said this. This is really going to mess up my life. My plans for a wedding, my, my future, this is going to change everything. What if she would have said, my family and friends won't understand what I've done. As with Mary, so with you. When each person senses that knock of Christ, they sit in a service like this. They read scripture. Someone talks to them about the Savior. You're not going to lack for questions. There's so much I don't understand yet. That's true. This is going to change my life. That is true. My family, my friends may not understand what I've done. That's right. But notwithstanding all the questions she had, she recognized that the best thing she could ever do is to open up. Have you understood that yet? Have you done that? Have you opened up your life to Christ? When Jesus comes knocking, when he seeks to get your attention, and I think in a crowd this size, for some of you, he's been knocking a long time. Circumstances, life's not working. People who've been trying to talk to you. You've begun to see there's got to be more. There's got to be more. This is the knocking. But only you can decide whether you will open up. If you will, and if you'll yield your life to Christ, he will come in and a beautiful thing happens. 
his presence begins to transform you. The New Testament speaks a lot about this indwelling Christ. Paul wrote the Ephesians. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is what it means to open up. To the Colossians, he wrote about Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Apostle John wrote in one of his letters, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. The Bible makes this quite clear. You were given the same offer that Mary did. You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will continue his message in just a moment. So are you curious about the painting Dave just talked about? You can see it in this episode's show notes. Just go to davedeselmministries.org slash podcast slash 101. That's 101. Well, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. And if you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and then help others find us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. And if you've been blessed by these messages, please consider giving a gift to DDM. You can do so by going to our website, davedesellministries.org, and click on the Donate button. Well, in addition to this podcast, Dave Desell Ministries offers other resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as devotionals for everyday disciples. These devotionals are filled with inspiration from God's Word that will encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus every day. Go to davedesellministries.org and you can browse through the over 150 devotionals that are found there. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive our weekly update, where you'll get the latest DDM news and a personal word from Dave every Monday. Let's get back to Dave now and the rest of today's teaching. But it doesn't stop there. As he begins to grow in you, the time will come when he'll eventually come out of you to the world. And that lends itself to the second set of blanks. As Emmanuel grows in you in a healthy way, he will flow out of you in a wonderful way. I'll confess to you that I've never given birth to a child. But I have it from a very reliable source that the time comes when the mother no longer has a vote here. That child is going to be displayed to the world. In the same way, when Christ is in your life, he is going to end up becoming displayed to the world. The question is, how? Will he be displayed in all of his beauty? Will he be displayed because the love that you show that just isn't the way you used to be, with the joy that you have that you didn't used to possess, with the patience that is yours that's surprising to everybody? Will he be shown because of the compassion you have and the mercy you show? Will he be shown beautifully or will he be shown in a reduced way? Will he be shown in a less than beautiful way? Here's the deal. How you carry the Christ within you is directly proportional to the Christ that you show the world. I told you last week that we were celebrating the birth of our newest grandchild, Maddie. And uh, it was a neat moment, but it was a scary one. Because uh, as Samantha gave birth, the cord was wrapped around Maddie's neck. And she was a little blue. Apparently the doctors and nurses, they just kept on rubbing her skin and did this, and, but it sure spooked us. All we could think of was, well, what would have happened if somehow uh, the flow of the nutrients to that child would have been restricted? It would have led to, well, a, a birth defect. 
a child that was less than we might have hoped. Friends, I'd like to suggest to you there are spiritual parallels. The Emmanuel who is in you, the manual that you carry, will be displayed beautifully to the world if there is nothing that restricts the flow of his spirit. You see, you can do that. The Bible actually talks about quenching the spirit. And when you quench the spirit inside of you, it results in a caricature of Christ, not the beautiful baby you'd like to show. So how do you quench the spirit? Paul tells us. When you live in defiant sin, his spirit is quenched. When you live in knowing disobedience, and though he tries to convict you, and you've sensed it and so have I, we read in Scripture and we think, oh boy, God says don't, and I'm doing. God says do, and I don't. Or perhaps a friend speaks to you about an observation they've made about your life, and they say, do you realize you're acting this way? For in any number of ways, you sit before a sermon. You think, that's me. In any number of ways, he will try to convict us of that which is quenching the flow of the Spirit. And you have to decide. Will you minimize? Will you rationalize? Will you excuse your behavior? Or will you recognize, I must change? The Bible calls that repenting. I must change your my mind that is not okay. And I must change my behavior. Just got to ask you, has that happened in you? And have you failed to response? respond? See, here's that third set of blanks. When Emmanuel is not carried in the right way, He'll be delivered in the wrong way. I'm going to ask you a hard question. Are you this morning engaging in behavior that you know is disobedient to Scripture? Immorality. Blatant dishonesty. Harboring a grudge. Exhibiting a hateful attitude. And God has whispered to you in multiple ways, don't, don't, stop it. Or things that you're failing to do, but you should be doing. And he says, do, do, and you stubbornly won't. To the extent that you continue to excuse, minimize, and rationalize, you are now quenching the spirit within you. And the Jesus that you're trying to share with the world will be less than he could have been. He will not be as beautiful. He will not be as compelling. And you will recognize that your life is not nearly as influential as it might have been. Time and time again, the Bible warns us about this. King David was known as a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect. Far from it. But at least David, apart from times in his life where he stubbornly failed to repent, more times than not, he did. And he gives us this wonderful prayer out of Psalm 139. As you flash on the screen, would you please lift your eyes and voices and read this out loud with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me 
and lead me in the way everlasting. I suggest to you this is a prayer that you ought to memorize. And this prayer is the prayer that you, on a regular basis, just return to it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Boy, is there anything that I'm blind to, that I've been rationalizing? Behaviors, attitudes, motives. I don't want to restrict the flow of your spirit through me. I want Jesus to be presented to a world in a beautiful way. Would you please show me that? If you pray that daring prayer, don't be surprised if he doesn't do that. And the verse is going to show up. The person's going to come and speak into your heart. You'll just have the thought, that's wrong. And then you have to decide, what are you going to do about it? Continue to deny, rationalize, ignore, excuse, or recognize and repent. It's your call. As surely as you were the only one who can open the door to let him come in the first time, you are the only one who can decide there'll be no kink in the umbilical cord of the Spirit. It's your decision. It's your call. It's your life. It's your impact. Emmanuel, God is with us. Emmanuel, God is in us. Next week, I'm going to talk to you a little bit further about how Emmanuel, God, can live through us and the potential that we have to mark others. Let's bow our heads. I have to wonder if for any of you right here, that painting might be a picture of your life. Jesus has been knocking. Even the fact that you're here this morning isn't an accident. But he won't force his way in. Your friend can't open the door. Your parents can't open the door for you. Your wife can't open the door for you. Only you can. Have you? Didn't say do you go to church a lot. I didn't say if you got religious. Have you ever opened the door of your life to Christ and say, I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your fullness. I've messed things up pretty good. Would you please come in? And make me a different person. Please. The Bible says that if a person asks that with sincerity, he will. For others of you, you say, I've already done that, Dave. That's great. Is there anything in your life that is choking off the flow of the Spirit? Defiant behaviors. Ongoing disobedience. And you know it's there. It just is. You will never live in the joy and the peace and the power that is supposed to be part of a Christian's life as long as you defiantly refuse to repent. And the Jesus that you're showing the world is less than what could be shown because the Spirit's not flowing. Your prayer might be something like this. Lord, I have to admit, 
that I have been minimizing this behavior. I've been rationalizing that it's not so bad. I've been denying it. And now I confess you're right and I'm wrong. This morning I ask your forgiveness for what I've been doing or failing to do. Please forgive me. I now seek to repent, to go the other way. Give me the courage to act upon this prayer this week. If I have to go to someone and say, I can no longer be part of that with you, give me courage. If I have to go to someone and ask their forgiveness, give me courage. Whatever I need to confess and admit, and whatever action steps I need to take, because I so long for the Jesus that's in me to be real and beautiful, I choose to repent now. Now. Lord, thank you so much that Emmanuel can be in us, just like Mary. Lord, help us to recognize that and to live in light of it. And I pray for myself and my friends that we would continue to step through this season with a freshness of understanding and obedience. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like more information on how you can begin a relationship with Christ, or you just want to let Pastor Dave know how much this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.